Hey guys, today's episode is part two with Raquel Salas. Do you go by Salas or McCarthy? <laughs> my ma- my maiden name is McCarthy and I just have not changed it even though we've been married for okay, 10 years. Okay, I feel like I'd be the same. Okay, well, Raquel yeah. is going to walk <laughs> us through some very specific points on how to get your shit together or your shiz together in the commercial acting world as a family or if you have kids who want to do it. What are the crucial components that you need to know, you need to do, all the things, work permits, financials, headshots, general life skills, self-tapes, finding an agent. She wants to walk us through step-by-step and I'm really excited. So this is just going to kind of get right to it. Hi, we're so excited to be here. You want to show her something? Go, show her. A tooth. What? (laughs) Did that just happen? Today, at school. At school? And now he's just walking yeah. away with his tooth. Is the tooth fairy coming? Yeah, maybe. So Leo was a little jealous that Max got to be on last time, and he just wanted to share his memorable moment. Leo, um, when you were at school, how did you know that your tooth was going to come out? Um, it was super wiggly, and I just was wiggling it, and then I ripped it out. Like at your desk? Yeah. Oh, man. That is really like my nightmare. <laughs> How have you guys been? How's this week? Are there any fun auditions or is it pretty quiet? What's going on? Pretty quiet. It's been quiet. No, the boys have had a few good voiceover. The voiceover has been busy. I don't I'm not sure what's going on. I think the strike is affecting things, I think, more in the last few weeks than it was before. I mean, yeah, it's pretty noticeable now. It's kind of like backlogged. Usually at this time of year, it feels like it's extremely busy yeah like I was looking at last year like all my auditions at like from this time period to Christmas and it was like way more auditions but they'll you know what's gonna happen in January once the strike is over and we'll just take as long as we need but it's everything is just gonna like blow up you guys will be so busy and you'll be wishing that you could just hang out on the podcast (laughs) and do nothing we have, we're, we've been preparing the last few weeks. Up, I've been updating all the sites, putting our new headshots up, just kind of preparing to get busy. Santiago and I are going away for a week. So we booked ourselves out. We're going to Antigua for, we won a vacation on a game show and we're finally taking it. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. Without the kids? Yeah. Without the kids. So grandma's taking them for a week. So we're going to just take a week off and then prepare to be really busy when we come back. So we're excited about that. When are you leaving? On the 22nd, 10 days. Wonderful. That's great. I think it's great timing. I think you're not going to miss anything. And if you do, (laughs) you'll get, you'll just do it (laughs) remotely. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Max, do you have any stories for us? What did you have for lunch today? Um, I had mac and cheese from hot lunch at school. (laughs) What? That's so nice. (laughs) Do you want to share your memorable moment before you go? You didn't get to last time. Um, they're um they're huddling. Uh, I um, see that. <laughs> they're just prepping, so they're on the same page. I appreciate. Okay. okay. Uh, so we were doing a photo shoot at Sesame Place, and we were trying out the rides because, and they closed <laughs> down the whole theme park just for us. It was it was a commercial shoot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So they, <laughs> it was a new theme park that opened in San Diego last year. And so we did the commercial for it and it's the Sesame Street theme park. It has Sesame roller coasters. Place. It's Sesame Place, but it's the Sesame it Street theme. It's roller coasters. It's part of SeaWorld. And so they, it wasn't open yet. So when we were shooting, it was only the like crew and the people in the commercial in the park, but they had all the employees there. So we got to ride all the rides over and over again with no line. So it was like your own theme. There's, I mean, only probably a few hundred people, right? Like the people that were a part of the shoot. And then after we, when we were done, we got to stay and just ride all the rides. Yeah. I was like, this is never going to happen ever again in your life. So just <laughs> like ride the rides over and over again. <laughs> oh my God. That is awesome. I once had that experience, but they didn't close the park, but they just let us ride at Universal Studios. And it was like in Florida. It was so cool. I wish I've never been to like a closed theme park. That's like so dreamy. That was fun. So that's your memorable moment yeah. that you wanted to share. Okay, good. Do you have anything? I have another memorable moment. So we were doing a new Cadillac car commercial by Oceanside. They blocked off um, a road so we could just be filming. And like no cars were going through except ours. And there was this big other camera car. It was like a million dollar camera car with a big thing, like a big camera. And it was filming us and it got like super close. Whoa, that's so cool. Does it did it make you feel special? Yeah, definitely. And he got his own shoot in the car by himself. Yeah, I got to ride by myself. This is part two, everyone. Raquel felt like, well, you can tell us how you felt at the end of, of last session. I felt like there was so many important things that we didn't cover because the purpose of this, right, is to be educational for people who may be looking to get into it, specifically families or children. And so I felt like we kind of touched on a few important things, but not the basics, really. And I, I felt like the time went by so fast. I was really nervous last time. So I told myself before we went on that I would just be myself and just, you know, have a conversation. Raquel, let's start with work permits. If someone is listening and they're like, whoa, this feels really scary. How overwhelming is the work permit process for kids? And why would a kid need a work permit? I mean, it's pretty simple. I think, I mean, just a disclaimer, I'm no expert, right? Or financial advisor or anything like that. This is just what I've learned over the last two years. So it's, if I can, you know, help save somebody some time and just give them a shortcut, then I think that's going to be really helpful. But I think we talked about last time the Coogan accounts and things that you need for kids to work. So the kids have to have a work permit to work, a minor work permit. If you're over 18, you don't need it. You just have to be like a U.S. citizen or have a visa. But the kids have to have a work permit. So you have to apply for the work permit. In California, it's the, I can send you the like the link to the actual website. I don't remember. It's the DLSE. It's like the Department of Labor Services and it's called a Minor Entertainment Work Permit. And so it's all online. It's really easy. You just go on and apply for it. You fill out basic information. If the kid is school aged, you have to get it signed off by the principals. There's a form you can print. You bring it to the school, they sign it, and then you upload it. You have to create a, an account on the DLSE webpage. Your kid will not be able to work without a work permit. They check them sometimes before you get booked. Just when you're on a veil, they ask you for the work permit. And then on all of the casting sites, you have to always have it updated with the expiration date. And they usually last six months. So you have to renew it every six months. 
that's one thing you really have to be on top of because if you book something and you don't have the work permit, you're not going to be able to work. And sometimes they can rush them. I've heard people rush them, but it's not guaranteed. And it, you know, it's the government. There's no guarantees that you're going to get it quickly. And I've heard of people that have, it's taken them two or three weeks to get it back. We're pretty good about that. That's, this is the one thing that my husband kind of manages. He's good. He'll renew the work permit and then he'll put a, an alarm in his phone for a month before it expires and then go on and renew it a month before. And so that's worked out for us. We usually get it back pretty quickly uh, in a few days, but I have heard of people waiting two or three weeks to get the work permit. That's something the kid needs to work. And they check that when you get booked, they want you to send a copy of it. And then the set teacher checks it when you're on set to make sure you have a valid work permit. Your husband is sounds like he's really good with the financial side of things. I know we touched on last time the Coogan accounts and then the 15% is at the same thing. And then what does he do with the rest of their money. And then I know they go to Target with the other part. (laughs) So yeah, the Coogan account is the block trust. That's something else you have to get set up when you start because when the kids get paid, the production company sends 15% of their money directly to that bank where you have the, the Coogan or the blocked trust account. So you have to get that set up as well. They have a Roth IRA. So he contributes to the Roth IRA. Again, I'm not an accountant. (laughs) My knowledge is very limited, but it's tax-free, the Roth IRA, and you can contribute up to 6,500. And so, but it has to be earned income. So the kids can contribute as long as they're earning money, which they are because the checks are in their name. And I think it's up to 6,500, but they can't take, they can't withdraw from it until they're 59. We do have an accountant who advised us to get the Roth IRA and it's, it's compounding interest. So it's something, it's really crazy. Like these, the Roth IRA, are not designed for 10 year olds to be earning money because it's like the compounding interest. So I read something about it where there's so many variables, like how much, how long, what accounts you have the money invested in. But like if you're 30 and you invest 100,000, then by the time you're 59, it ends up being 500,000 because of the compounding interest. So for the kids, it's going to be, you know, their their money that they're making now will be multiplied, you know, by the time they can take it out with the Roth IRA. So, and I don't even know how much. So that's something we do. And then it's it's tax-free money if you wait till you're 59. So they get to keep all so their money. So it sounds like you guys are doing a great job of like educating your kids while you're doing this. Like you're very transparent with, hey, it's going here. You're not just like keeping them in the dark. How have your kids responded to this knowledge? Because as a child, not a child actor, just as a child, I didn't know. <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you're listening. Uh, the only <laughs> financial advice I got was to never rely on a man. And that was it. I was like, okay, cool. So I guess uh, I just had to figure out the rest. How do you think it's influencing them to like be learning about this as like a business? I mean, I think it's empowering for them. You know, I don't know if they fully understand it. I try to show them, you know, when they get a check, I'll try to show it to them. And then sometimes we will go deposit it at the bank together. And then they can pull out, you know, $50 or whatever from their money to spend. If we've had to create invoices too, I'll have, Max is a little older, so I think he understands more. So I'll have him like sit down and do his own invoice. So I don't know. I think they, I think they're learning a lot. I think as they get older, we'll have them be involved more. Aside from the financials, I think there are more tangible, like more tangible growth that I can see for the kids. So I definitely see them learning life skills. Like you said, I think the confidence that they've gained in the last you know, two years or so since we've been working, it's really apparent. I mean, you saw Max, he just gets up here and talks to you like an adult. Like he's not shy at all. He gets up and speaks in front of people. I feel like if you can get over that fear of public speaking by the time you're 10, like you're ahead in life. Most adults can't do some of the things that they're doing. 
So I think the life skills, it's huge. Professionalism, I think is something that they learn too. Like it's a job. So we want to always be on time. We want to be kind and professional when we're there, you know, and stay positive. We try to show up to our auditions. Like if you were going to a job interview, clean and well-dressed and prepared. And so I think they're, they're definitely learning a lot of life skills, which has been amazing. And I think the confidence that they've gained is it's huge. I had a dad that told me the other day, we went to some back to school thing. And he was like, Oh, I saw that Max. He's so cool. He came up to me the other day and he was just like, Hey man, how are you doing? How's life? Like talking to me, like he's a 30 year old man. (laughs) And I think, I think a lot of that does have to do with them, you know, getting up in front of casting directors and having to be well-spoken and confident. So I think they've, they've just gained so much for us. It's been really positive. I don't know if everyone's experience is the same, but it, for us, it's definitely, they've grown Yeah, well, I think, I think it sounds like you guys have framed it in such a way where, like, you're requiring them to respect the profession and to see it that way as opposed to, like, well, it's just an audition. Like, you never know. Like, this is just fun. Let's just have fun. I mean, and I know you guys are fun because you're not, like, <laughs> you're not not fun. You're <laughs> obviously so fun. But my point is there's this perspective that they're now absorbing where it's like, if I want to work, I need to present myself in a certain way. And these are these are skills that, yeah, I don't think you learn them till later in life. I feel like maybe I was so shy, but I, I was kind of forced to do community theater. I wanted to, but I was kind of forced to do it. And But interacting with adults, I think the only really interactions I had was like from the only jobs I had growing up was babysitting. So it it was not like I was around a bunch of grown ass adults on set and doing all these things and having it. I was just like hanging out with like littler kids. I do feel like these, especially public speaking Mm -hmm. and confidence and just being able to be in front of a group of people and to know that like what you have is enough and you can just be yourself is like a very, I don't know if that's a soft skill or a hard skill, but that is a difficult skill. Yeah. And I think communication and developing relationships to me is one of the most important things in life and a key to success, right? And I think also the grit, like the perseverance, because we've had months where we don't, we do a hundred auditions and we don't book anything, right? And then they need to see that you have to like stick with something, you have to persevere. That's not even something that Santiago and I, I feel like if we had done this, you know, started this in our early twenties, I don't know if I would have stuck with it. I think now that we're in our late thirties, we have that, right? I think the word for it is grit. Like that's what I see. Like grit is the key to success, like just enduring and having your eye on the goal. So I think that's something they're learning. I don't know if they grasp that as much that there's going to be, and it's not failures, but that there's going to be lows, you know, but that if they keep, if they stick with it and still do their best, you know, and just keep pushing forward that there's going to be success later on. And so I think that's also a really important life skill, not just with this. Anything anything, you can apply it to like the greater the risk, the greater the reward or the greater amount of effort and time you put in, the greater the payout. However you see it, I, I feel like especially in this day and age with the younger generations that are that are growing up with things at their fingertip like 
TikTok and Instagram, all these things. And instant gratification is such a huge component of kids' brains and the wiring that it like it just kind of short circuits a lot of stuff. So I don't want to be like it's an old school lesson in being patient. But even when you don't get a job or you get a release to veil or you just get a callback or you don't get anything, it's actually not about that. It's about putting the time and your energy into something for the long game, the bigger picture. And again, these are crazy lessons for a kid to absorb. And I think that they're just going to absorb it and then probably not even realize that it's like in them and then be able to do so much whether they continue this or not. Yeah, I agree. So I think that they there it's been really beneficial for them and I've seen a lot of growth for them. So I'm excited to see what happens, you know, over the years. I think the other thing too that they're learning is that they are developing and if they don't want to be actors later on if at some point they decide they don't want to be in front of the camera they're learning so much like they I have seen them be really interested in like the directing the technical stuff like when we've gone on set they love like what the cameramen are doing you know production so there's so many other things they can do and I feel like they're developing a resume even by the time they're 18 they're gonna have 10 years of experience in the entertainment industry. So it's like, who who else has that? Even if they decide they want to do something else later, not in entertainment, they can well, use these skills. Yeah, so and it's it's yeah. limitless. They're going to have their 10,000 hours by age 18. And in a way where they're consciously wanting to do it right now, you're keeping it open for like, if, if they become too cool for it or if it's not interesting or they want to suddenly start building cars or something instead, I don't know. I feel like you're very open. Either way, this industry is so broad that they're they're just going to end up doing something. Maybe they'll be like brother directors. It's just so cool to imagine what they could do, you know? Yeah. I know. It's really cool. They love the technical stuff. Actually, I have a really cute story about <laughs> They're fascinated by the camera stuff, you know, the cameramen. And everyone's always so nice to kids on set, which is really cool. Like they love showing them everything and, you know, how to do this. So that's really cool. But they did that one theme park commercial we did. They had those really cool cameras because you're like walking around the theme park that are like on like around your waist and on your shoulders and like because it's really yeah. heavy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, what they have like the thing that goes over them. Like I don't think it's a gimbal, but it's some sort of device that supports your back. Yeah, because you're walking around. So then the next day it was so cute. They got like their big teddy bears and they had it like on their shoulders and wrapped around and they were playing because you know how kids, they process things yeah. through play. So I see them do that a lot. It's really funny. And so then they were like directing their little sister, Luna, and they had like the teddy bears, like it was the cameras oh over their God. shoulder. And I like, walked in on them and they're like, okay, Luna, now go over here. Now do this. Okay, cut. But it was oh really, really God. cute. I would have started <laughs> crying if that was my kids. <laughs> it was so funny. It was. Was she just like listening to them? Does she like adore her brothers? Yeah, she does. She, yeah. And she was, she likes it. She likes the, she loves dramatic play. That's like her favorite thing at school. They always tell me they have a dramatic play. It's like a little stage and they have costumes and at her preschool. And that's what she's always doing. So she, yeah, she loves that. So anytime they'll play with her and not punch her or wrestle with her, she's yeah. happy. Yeah. It's oh man, I can't imagine having two brothers. I only had sisters growing up. Let's talk about <laughs> self tapes and in person auditions. We've been doing a lot of self tapes. I think the self tapes you have to follow instructions, right? Number one, which is there are some challenges too when there's like three, four, or five people, and some of them are kids. Like one of them that we notice a lot, and I, my husband kind of gets frustrated, but we just we try to figure it out is like the instructions will say to have like everyone stand right and do but they want the framing to be like top of chest to top of head well my daughter's three feet tall 
and my husband's six feet tall. So like, we can't do that. Right. So if we want to get her in, then it's going to be from his mm-hmm. knees up. So we try to follow the instructions as best we can. Sometimes there's a lot of instructions. So I have to read them over and over. And sometimes it's hard when you're like, you know, the kids are ready to go and tape and you want to just take advantage of that moment. So sometimes I do miss things, but trying to follow the instructions, number one, is I think the most important, right? And I've heard of people even doing like filming one slate and then like editing it on and using like the same slate over and over and just not doing stuff like that, like doing a tape every time and following the specific instructions. Because sometimes it's really simple, like they want in the slate, they want you to show your hands or say, you know, what your height is or where your base or there's always different things. So I think that's number one, following instructions as best you can. I wish that casting would think about too who is taping. I know that their casting is so busy. So I know that they do. And they're like the middleman, right? Between the client and stuff. But sometimes things like that, it's hard. And so we have to interpret it how we think it should be done. You know, for example, the the framing when you have like five people. I don't know. You're in casting. What do you think about that? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on instructions. <laughs> I know. Well, before I answer that question, what do you do with Luna? Do you just put her on a chair or like a stool? Is it Luna? Did I say that right? Okay. Does your husband just like hold her up? Like I would just find a way to just get her up. We've tried different things. I feel like we're still tweaking things and trying to find what works. I've done that where I've like put her on a stool, but then it kind of looks like she's freakishly tall like because you can't tell she's on a stool. So I've held her, like held her on my hip. I feel like then you can see the proportion, but then sometimes I get nervous because it they'll say on there, like the very first thing they'll say in all caps is like follow instructions or your tape won't be, you know, in the final. And so sometimes it's hard because you can't follow the instructions when you're a family with five people that are different heights. You know, that's just one example. Yeah, I do think there is a, a little bit of grace when they're watching family tapes and they know that there's just like kind of a shit show happening probably. And they never expect you to be perfect. I do think the bar is very yeah. high for single person self tapes to mm-hmm. follow instructions to a T. Most of the casting directors that, that I've spoken with or worked for, their gripe is like, we're not writing these instructions for nothing. They're super important for us because if they're not saying these certain things or doing these certain things, then we're not getting the information we need to put. How can we yeah. put this forward to the client if we're not sure that they're in LA? It's a different story if they know you. And it sounds like you have developed relationships with casting directors. Maybe people see it as a little bit of a disrespectful thing where if you blatantly are just like throwing an old slate up like that's it that's insulting I'm sorry I'm glad you brought that up I would years ago when I was starting like theatrical auditions I that thought ran through my mind where I'm like why am I always having to do the same why can't I just copy paste a slate and I don't know the answer for theatrical but I certainly know for commercial you better look the same as your scene you know what I mean this is just like basic job criteria so if something is complicated the framing thing is tough. Like I used to audition with my ex and he was extremely tall and he would have to just open up his legs really wide and I would stand on a block. So we were like a little more like the same height, but it, you kind of just got to get creative and they'll appreciate it. Yeah. And we, and then it's like, if it's all five of us in there, we don't have anyone to tape us. If someone's out, you know, if it's like just mom and kids or whatever, then Santiago can tape us. And so that makes it easier because you can adjust. I use my phone because one of the other things is the, you really need to learn how to use some technology. Otherwise you're going to be lost. So 
I use my phone because I feel like I know some people do use like a nice professional camera. I've thought about doing that, but I feel like there's so many steps because I'm doing most of the the editing. You're kind of like a mini director. Like you have to read the instructions. You have to tell everyone yep. what to do. And then you have to like put everything together in the way that they want it. So sometimes it'll be like three parts, like a slate and two takes or two actions or whatever. So I have like iMovie on my phone. So I'll put everything together in one file if that's what they want. You have to learn how to name it properly. Sometimes they want things named exactly how they want. So you have to follow that instruction. Sometimes you have to convert files. So you need to learn how to do that. So you have to find like the things that work for you and learn how to use them, you know, learn how to use the technology. Sometimes there's Um, Dropbox, sometimes there's Google Drive. It's, and I think what you touched on is like, specifically for commercial auditions, the path of least resistance with your technology is going to win. I had years where I used like a Sony camera and it was it wasn't fancy. It was very nice. But I feel like once the pandemic hit and I was churning out in the period where there was a ton of tapes, I was churning out tapes. I just converted to my phone because I was like, oh, I can do this like 80% faster. I can Mm -hmm. edit it in the chair that I'm shooting it in. I use a different app called Video Shop, which no one seems to know about, but I love it. And it does have a little (laughs) watermark in the corner. Actually, no one really notices it and I don't want to be like if you're technologically deficient but if you were like it is very simple and iMovie kind of overwhelmed me I'm not really sure I gave it a fair chance but I think path of least resistance simplicity and technology lighting you wrote yeah. you wrote on your notes talk about your lighting situation because I use natural windows because I'm nerdy, yeah. nerdy. you do That's the same I'm in front of a window right now we tried everything like we tried I feel like the first six months we were self-taping we kind of like it was a big learning curve and we my husband bought these like big flat lights from Home Depot that they yeah. use in construction. And I hated it because then there was like a shadow. I used those. It never looked good no matter how we placed them. And then it would be like when you have a, when it's just you taping, it's so much easier. But when you have one, two or three kids, you know, you got to kind of take advantage of like the window when they're ready to go. And so if you're spending 20 minutes trying to set up and get your lighting ready, you're going to lose that. So it's like, you got to find the one spot in your house, the one window, just have everything clean. I like the window. I feel like the lighting, you can't get much better than that the natural light like it's even and I feel I get really excited about oh my god I I get so excited that when I go and I love in person but I also feel like I never look as good as I do at home I just don't in the studio lighting is just hard (laughs) my skin doesn't love it and people be like oh that's just you in your head and I'm like no I go on and I watch tapes and I see that I look different than I do it and you know so I think it's about feeling good and making sure yeah if you have access to natural light, that is going to make you look so glowy and natural and and don't have too much. Make sure you're far enough away that it's not blowing out your entire complexion. But gosh, that makes life so easy. And by the way, doing your auditions during the day, at least if you're like a morning slash day person, I think energetically it's better for me. I sometimes do have to do the one off at night or before the sun rises. And I tell you, my voice is tired. My face is tired. It's a very different vibe like a good cup of coffee and then get your (laughs) I think the morning ones for me we've had to do those like when we get a a bunch and they're like due at noon the next day but the kids have school so we have to do them like at 7 a.m my face looks puffy in the morning I don't like how I look in the morning that's early but I do it I know well because they have school at eight so they you know and we don't, and I don't want to be rushing. Oh, no, you, you so got to make it work. To- I think like my if I you know I don't have kids and I'm not auditioning with kids, but like for me that that sweet spot is like between ten 
and 10 and like one, I'm just like, ooh, wow, this is good. I've worked out. I'm doing a thing. Yeah, you have to make it work. I try to do them right away. I think that's important. I think, again, the professionalism, like confirming when you get an audition, confirming it right away or declining it right away and not waiting and then doing it as soon as possible. I don't really know if that helps. Like I haven't noticed a trend in like if we get it in early, you know, in terms of booking. I'll tell you when it helps, why it helps, even if it's not correlated to your booking. And I want everyone to know like, do what you can do and and don't feel pressured just because I'm saying it's good to get it in early. But after having worked in casting a long time and doing a lot of interviews, most casting directors are pretty type A. And so they are watching things as they come in. They're not like making decisions about who's going to like whatever, but they are looking and judging the tapes and the quality. And my personal goal, and I like to say this on the podcast, if I have the availability in my schedule to tape, I like to tape right when I get it if my lighting is good because I want to be in the first 10 videos that they get in their session. I want eyes on me, not for the job, but to get eyes, to get eyes and to be like, oh, Catherine, we know she's coming. She's fucking killer. She's going to be right there. We're going to keep her in. Even if you don't book that job, it may lead to more opportunities later, right? Because like they know that you get it in early. They know your work's good. And I do see that we'll get requests from the same casting office quite a bit. And I don't know. I've never spoken with them directly, but I feel like maybe now at this point, they know that like we get it in early and that it looks good. And like, it's always something that they can submit to the client. So I like to think. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You just said that you notice like the same casting directors will be giving you auditions. So I feel like that that right there is the proof. That's the correlation. Yeah. I have a – I don't know if you guys do this. I feel like maybe um, Santiago could, could do this since he's like the Excel sheet finance guy. I have a tracking sheet with every audition, every role, and then every casting director. And if I if it was like a first call, second call, or veil, or booking, and I just track throughout the years. So I can see, oh, cool, like they started bringing me in more and more and more, and then I booked with them, and then they like – and then it increased a lot. Or, oh, I got one avail at this office. I had never, ever been in for them. And then all of a sudden I got like five auditions over three months. And then you can really start to like graph things and see, you know, you can measure your work and and your progress and see if it's making a difference because I'm I'm certain it is. Yeah, we should definitely do something like that. I think that's nice to have something objective because I feel like everything in this industry is so subjective. And so there's no way to know if what you're doing is working or not. Right. And we're like, I mean, I'm in medicine. Santiago's a scientist. Like we like data, you know, we're like that too. So it's like, I want to see if A is working or B is working or not. So I think that's a good idea. I mean, I think if you have the time, you can definitely do that. I have just noticed that we are getting like the same casting offices will send us auditions. And then there's some, like some that you had on the show that we've never gotten an audition from them. So I don't know if we just, you know, you need to get in there and just put your best self-tape or audition forward. Yeah, I mean, and and some of them that have been like open to getting DMs or whatever, you guys are such a specific type of family that I feel like a casting director would appreciate your manager reaching out or you DMing them just to be like, hey, it's so great. I listened to your episode on Slate It Pod. We are just on and I just wanted to let you know that I'm part of this kind of a family. There's five of us, sometimes six or whatever, a little pitch. And and it's like the little things you can do to develop because like you are helping them in that way and you're also helping yourself. So it's a win-win. But I will say when you start to track your data, it like brings it to life and then you're like, whoa, I am progressing. I am able to see that Allison Horn is bringing me in quite a bit more than 
that, you know, she used to or whatever office it is. And I think you would find it very fun. It's kind of addictive and it doesn't take long to track. I mean, it takes long to backlog all of it, but I can send you my spreadsheet. It's kind of messy, but. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to go down a rabbit hole with this you're gonna You're going to be obsessed. Oh I, I obsess with mine. And then I do like stats at the end where I'm like, here's my avail to booking ratio. Here's my overall booking to audition ratio. And then it's like these percentages. And as I look at the years, my numbers are going up and I just like get so giddy where I'm like, ah, oh, hell yeah, my numbers, they should be, they should be going up. <laughs> but then they start to go down because I'm getting more auditions and it's like a good problem. But then you can just see the data speaking to you and your career. Everything takes, it takes so long too to get started. I feel like even though we've been doing it for almost two years, we're still in the beginning. Sometimes I feel like you have to be patient with yourself. It's like, okay, it's only been two years and we're not where we want to be. But so I think if you can see, like you said, if you can just see something objective, then it will maybe give you a little encouragement too. You know, hopefully that things are trending yeah, in the right and direction. Yeah, it pulls back the emotional like attachment and like the kind of oh. like reflecting on yourself. You can detach yeah. from you as a person to like you as a business. And okay, I'm seeing that I'm getting called in for mostly this type of role and this type of role. That's cool. That's interesting information. Maybe I should start buying more clothes that look a little bit like this. Maybe I should stock some commercial actors who are always booking and just copy what they're wearing. Like a lot of it's just piecing together, you know, what's gonna work for you and then creating your own sort of trends within the data. We're going to have to do a whole episode on uh, tracking. A lot of my actor friends, we all track all of our stuff. We were talking about the financials and I did, I do a spreadsheet for that. So I know, (laughs) I know we moved past the financials, but I do, um, I do have a spreadsheet where I track like for our accountant, because you can, like you were talking about it being a business. So they, and our accountant calls it like our modeling business, but I do have a spreadsheet where I do like each job and I put, or audition and I put like our miles, our expenses, the casting fees, the headshots, like all of that stuff is deductible. So even if you buy like a lighting, you know, a tripod or something from Amazon, like all of that, you can deduct on your taxes um, against your modeling income. So I have that great. Just open a new tab (laughs) and call it commercial tracking. (laughs) And then you're just going to have all the tabs. Let's talk about headshots. You guys just did a new a new session. But before you even got started, were you just submitting with like a family Christmas photo or something? How'd that work? Yeah, I think we did like we this is like our fourth set of headshots like with kids you should it is recommended that you do their headshots every six months because they grow so much the big investment people don't realize that so you're supposed to do it every six months because they grow and change so much or they like lose teeth or they get braces or you know whatever I don't know for like how often do you do your headshots as an adult No. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, it depends if I'm like changing dramatically my hair or any sort of thing. I I think uh, I just got some last year, but before that, oh boy, probably like six years prior. And then I was like, I look like a baby and I I need to look more, you know, like I am now. But some people leave their headshots. Some adults, well, like some 40-year-old adults have their 20-year-old headshot on and I'm like, this feels like a message yeah. you're trying to send. You know, working in casting, I'll see lot of notes on the worksheet and it's like oh by the way like Rachel doesn't have teeth and and we haven't gotten photos of that that's like a lot you have three kids they're they're all going through puberty soon and their faces and oh sorry God. it's happening yeah, no, <laughs> no yeah they I mean yeah for kids like you are supposed to do it every six months for them the last time we did the kids was in January because it's expensive you know and then we not only do we have to do individual headshots we have to do family pictures uh. too so this year we've spent 
quite a bit on pictures, but I do think of it again, like as a business and it's an investment and it will be, you know, some return. And for kids, like, I don't mind spending money on their pictures because they're my kids. Like I'm going to have those pictures forever, but the headshots, I think are, this is our fourth time. And so our very first ones, I think they didn't come out great. Like I didn't know a lot about professional headshots. I think if you're just getting started, it's your first time. I don't think you need to do the headshots before finding an agent, but I have learned that you should get your agent first, I would say. And then they will recommend their like photographers that they work with for headshots. And they'll be very specific about what they want too. like, especially for kids, they want, it's like, it's standard. Like they want bright primary colors, you know, no logos and stuff, obviously, but they want like a red t-shirt and like, they want a layered look with like a denim jacket. on it. And that's like standard or for girls, it's like a denim overalls and like a bright pink shirt. So for kids with bright colors, like bright primary colors is standard. But I have noticed like some variation within the agencies of what they want. Some of them want like smiling, showing teeth. So that's why I feel like you should just maybe get your agent first and then see what their preferences and what they recommend for the headshots. And then if they can refer you to someone that they like, because it's a big investment. That would yeah, be my recommendation I've heard the for, same that. for specifically with kids looking for, you know, an agent to represent your kid and that the agents are very specific when it comes to what's going to get your kid in the room as yeah. someone who's looked through many 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 child headshots i'm like did somebody like tell everyone to wear overalls and why are all these boys wearing fake glasses like there is a look and they all do it feels like the same agents are telling everyone the same thing so yeah you mentioned last time it's like you can start to self-submit your child uh, or your family with photos that you already have and then once you get signed show them what you currently have even if it's like old bad headshots or just regular school pics and then listen to your agent because they're the ones who are going to help get you opportunities i was going to say with the headshots too I think this is our fourth time and I think the first few times I didn't realize too that like the cat I mean you know that because you're in casting too but like on casting networks so basically the goal of the headshot should be to just see your face like don't even do like a waist up you know just like your face like top of chest to top of head because on casting networks I didn't realize this till a few months ago but like that you only see a little thumbnail on like on the casting side, you don't even really see the picture. So like our manager that we have now, she was like, it's just, they need to see your face. That's all they need to see. So they even want like your hair up out of your face. I didn't realize that. And then when we did a job a few months ago there, it was like a smaller job and the guy, the production did the casting and he had asked me to email him pictures. And he said, oh yeah, cause I can't really see them on casting networks. So when we did the job, I was like, Hey, can I see what you see? Like, I want to see what the casting side sees. And he showed me and it's like this tiny little thing thumbnail and you can barely see anything. So I think with the headshots, like make sure that you're just showing your face. Like that's number one, like your hair is out of your face and it's not like your full body or even half body. It's just, no, I think I couldn't agree more. So many people get caught up in like the outfits and this and that. And it's like, dude, on our end, you are a literal face in a square in a sea of faces. And they're just glancing for what kind of pops and what works with their current breakdown. And that is it. Make sure that there's good lighting but that your features are very visible and that your hair looks like your hair would look like in the audition that you're sending in or going in for it's very important to look natural 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 yeah the last ones we did we didn't even read like they weren't edited or retouched at all which the first three we had done they did 
And then our manager was like, no, I don't like retouching. Like you need to look how, when you show up, you need to look like that picture. And I was like, okay, it's fine, it's fine with me. Yeah, so- I, I really do think that a natural, real person look is in for headshots and anything glossy, made up, Sears portrait circa 1990, like that's obviously super out. But it's like, <laughs> I'm even seeing some pictures that are clearly not professional headshots that are still getting people into rooms. I'm not saying you should do that, but people are preferring that you just look the way you look and the commercial trend of now is just normal looking humans that are maybe a little bit tired just a little bit tired (laughs) and for the kids they just want them to look like like a plain t-shirt and a color and jeans and that's it and that was that's something that I do like I have for in-person or self-tape I just went to Walmart it's like four dollar I feel like I'm putting time (laughs) in Walmart so they pay us but like Walmart best stuff for auditions like I had not been there in years and they really do they have like plain black shoes with no logo or plain white shoes with no logo for the kids and for adults and then just like plain t-shirts for like four dollars and so I just have a bunch like folded up in the top of the closet so the kids can't get them (laughs) dirty and it's me and I just pull them out like the same red t-shirt or blue t-shirt for like self-tapes or you know in-person auditions and then I fold it and put it right back so it doesn't get stains or anything on it and so it's simple but it's like and the kids know now too I'll be like go get ready for your we're going to do a self-tape and they know to just grab that shirt from the top of the closet. And so, and then I feel like, I don't know if they want, I know you had talked about it before, like wearing the same thing every time or not. And I, I hear two different things. Our manager now tells us to wear the same thing every time. And she tells us to wear the same color when we do family, because they want you to like, look like a family. So I'm going to try that and see if that works. But yeah, we, I have been doing that, like the putting the same thing on it's easier for us. And then I don't know if it, you know, like on the casting side, then when you see maybe that you're seeing thousands of people, so maybe you see the same person in the same red shirt, then it kind of clicks faster, like that that's the same yeah, person. I think that I personally, and I think we talked about this on, was it Joy's episode? She, ha- If you haven't listened to Joy's episode, everyone listening should, and it, she's incredible. She's a session session director at 200 South. Well, actually for a lot of people. Anyway, we talked about the concept of an adult, oh my God, of an auditioned uniform. I never really like thought of this term, but I was doing it already. And then I was shared with her that there was moments when I would feel self-conscious for wearing the same thing two days in a row to 200 South and, and worried that someone would notice. First of all, no one cares. Second of all, again, the path of least resistance. It sounds like you have such a great system where it's like the kids audition uniforms are on a shelf. They don't wear them in real life. They're not allowed to everything stays clean and nice now as an adult I kind of like wearing some of my audition uniforms outside out and about but some of them I wouldn't because I don't want to look like a midwest conservative mother so I wouldn't but I do think that it simplifies and it creates consistency with casting and they're not gonna like be weirded out if you suddenly are changing your outfit or you're only wearing the same thing I think it's like a personal preference but I do think it is easier it's easier if you're an adult just doing it by yourself it's a lot easier but if you have three kids that you have to worry about you need to make things easy for yourself and for the kids otherwise they're not going to want to do it like they they is so short you know so like I give them jobs too when we do some tapes and I feel like that I just realized that but I feel like that works so well like I'll have Max like read the instructions out loud to everybody so we all know what we're doing while we're getting ready and then like Luna and it has to be like age appropriate jobs too like Luna she just wants to press the button like that's all she wants to do that's her excited to like 
well, I'll sit down and then she'll press the buttons. You know, you have to make things just easy and have everybody involved. I love that. You know, so. And everyone feels like they're contributing and not just like being, you know, put on camera and then sent to change and go do their math homework, you know? I did want to say on the audition uniform note, an interesting connection I made as we were talking is that if you have an audition uniform or like I look in my closet and I'm like, I know that these are the pieces I would use for a winter audition or my summer mom or whatever it is. It's a great way to also compartmentalize what you're doing. Like you're physically changing from your normal Catherine clothes into like commercial Catherine mom. And I I'm going to work even though I'm in my house. I think it's really important that we start to separate ourselves from the job because then we're not so attached to the outcome of the job. I'm just like this morning I put on my winter coat and I kept my air conditioning on and I set up my office, which is my screen, you know, my background and my tripod and all these things. And then air goes off and the camera goes on and I'm at work and it's cool. And then I, I actually kept on this shirt. This is not something I'd wear normally, but yeah, it's just these like little things where you can trick your brain and also make it easier and also getting I feel like it helps you get into character too if that's what you need to do like like for Santiago and I we're in this weird spot where we can be like mom and dad but then we also will get like individual stuff to play like a 28 year old and it's like you know so if I'm gonna like audition with the kids I have to look like a mom you know so I put my like hair up and I wear like a you know a big sweater button down because you want to so it helps you to get into character but then it also helps you to like help the casting envision you in that role, right? But then if I'm going to play like a 28-year-old college student or something, I don't know, then I can wear like jeans and the little t-shirt or, you know. So I feel like it helps you too to get into character to know yeah and like and like casting always says their clients have such little imagination in the nicest possible way but they're watching you really quick like you've talked about thumbnails being small your tapes that they're watching are probably on a small kind of screen and if they can't imagine you just dropping you into the commercial because you're wearing the wrong thing in your audition and you kind of botched it or you were lazy well You know, it could take away from your performance. Little things can take away from the big thing. You want no distractions, no distractions. If your hair is too pretty, someone could be sitting there like, oh, damn, her hair looks so good. And then they're not even watching your audition. They're just like, oh, wow, I wonder where she gets her hair done. You don't want that. (laughs) I'm a stand-up comedian. And so like there's a similar thing for women, at least. You go on stage And I was taught always to never wear shorts because, and you know what? I can wear shorts if I want to. It's a free country. But my point is you don't want to go upstage and have your legs upstage your performance. You want people to be listening and engaged with what you're saying and not distracted by something that you chose to wear that was kind of a stupid choice. Same, same. Yeah, I see that for sure. Especially with women, there's all this like, we have way more distractions because we can be too, you know, too pretty sometimes or we put too much mascara and then some some woman on the client end is like, oh, well, I don't know. It's like, she's too glamorous. And it's like, well, okay, well, fine. I'm just going to look like a pedestrian all the time, which is my approach. (laughs) That happened to us. Like I used to just kind of put a little bit of makeup on and now I don't put a lot because we did a, we had like a zoom callback and the casting was in there. I'm not going to say who it was. It wasn't like a negative experience, but she was like, Raquel, you have too much lipstick on. Can you just wipe it off? And I was like, I'm not wearing any lipstick. Like I don't have anything on. I don't know what you want me to do. It's just my lips, you know, sometimes people will say things and then it makes you think about, you know, like your appearance or whatever. So now I, when we do stuff, especially if I'm going to be a mom, I like barely wear any makeup. I just don't want to look 
shiny and that, you know, I want to look like Yeah, I mean, I would say like I've had to go into the lobby and tell women to take off any gloss or lipstick because the client's in there and they're going to be like kind of annoyed because casting's going to get in trouble that they didn't tell you to look plain. But I always err on the side as a woman of like less is more or even nothing, like just bare bones, especially like, I mean, you have a very naturally like beautiful face. I feel like any tiny thing you put on is going to make your features just look like Vogue magazine, you know? <laughs> I mean, that must be hard. Like, for <laughs> that must be hard for you to go and have to tell women. I feel like I would not want to be that person. Like, I don't want to tell anything, anybody anything about their appearance. Yeah. You know, I don't want like, that sits with people, you know, and then it makes them feel self conscious, even if it comes from like a good place. Like, anytime you comment on anybody's appearance, I, know. I, feel I like... had to go up one, one by one and be like, Excuse me, um, are you wearing lip gloss? Could you please take it off? But the thing is, listen, we all signed up for this career this is a game the game is you don't get to decide what they think of you and it can't be personal you know and when people are sitting in the lobby taking it personally I mean it's hard not to because it's your body and your face but I've had to do way cringier things which my least favorite thing as a casting assistant is having to pair actors and kids who aren't real families by ethnicity and then having to do roll call and look at everyone and try to match people based on if they're black or Asian or black blah, blah, blah. And everyone knows what I'm doing. And I know what I'm doing. It's just part of the job. And I have to make a family that in quotes, like looks related. And I just say, I'm making families who hopefully look similar. And that's all I say. But everybody knows. How do you even do that now too? Because I feel like families is like, that was something I wanted to talk about was like inclusion, you know, I feel like now there's so much diversity and it's just reflecting like real life. Like families are whatever you want your family to be. Like it doesn't, a family doesn't have to I look know. a certain and way, you know, I feel like I, so you hard. know, what's interesting. I was in this conversation and a callback a few months ago they were, it was for a car commercial and they were very specifically wanting to have either like Latinx, Hispanic, kind of Italian, just sort of like they're throwing these around and they're just mixing and matching as they say. And then there is a woman who's like, well, I don't really like any of the kids. And I think this kid, except this kid was amazing, but this kid isn't, doesn't look like any of them. And then, and then some guy kept being like, well, why couldn't, you know, hypothetically speaking, why couldn't it just be an adopted kid? And also why do they have to look the same? This is America. This is the, like, this is today, 2023. Like they could have two kids that they, that were biologically related and then they could have a random white kid who is just part of the family and they had this whole debate in the callback room talking about how they've never seen a family car commercial with non-biological like a mixed kind of non-biological situation where it's like there's so many different variations of families listen you don't even have to be married to be in a family you don't even have to have it could be like one parent and a bunch of kids like there's we don't really portray single parents as well in these things it's something that I think it's not represented. I think that they were so gung-ho on representing an entire, you know, Asian family or an entire Latinx family that they like got lost in the fact that there's just anything is possible. Families can be anything. Yeah. The trends are interesting. I think it's like so great that there's so much diversity in commercials, but I think they, they kind of are still limited in what they could be putting out. There could be more. Yeah. I feel like that happens to us a lot because we are like Hispanic, like that's our angle. And Santiago's from Mexico and my mom's from Spain. But sometimes I feel like we'll go to like a casting, you know, and it's like maybe they don't think we look Hispanic enough. And it's like, what, you know, what does that mean? Like, I feel like also you can think 
you can have like an idea in your head of what this ethnic group or culture or whatever looks like. And you, in reality, people don't look like that. You know what I mean? Especially like with Latinx, it's like such a big Mm. spectrum, you know, every country. But I do think that it is good that there is so much inclusion and diversity now. And that was something I wanted to talk about too, like for people that are thinking about getting into commercial work. I feel like when I was growing up in the nineties, it was like one look, right? It was like, you had to be skinny. You had to be whatever. It was like Victoria's Secret models and Pam Anderson. And I never thought that I would be able to do, you know, some commercial acting or any, or modeling or anything. And now it's like, you can be anything. It doesn't matter. Like what you look like, what your size is, what your, you know, anything, you can be anything. I think that's really cool. And the things about you, that's what I've learned a lot about that I realized after our last episode was like the things that you already are, are marketable. They may seem normal to you because it's who you are. But then when you start doing it, you realize there's all these things about you that are like unique or special that they are looking for. Right. And like, for example, like Santiago's from Mexico. So he's bilingual. Well, that's just who he is. Like he grew up speaking English and Spanish, but like every audition he gets is for bilingual. It's like such a a need for that. And so I don't even know if we realized that that was such a marketable skill because it's just who you are, you know, or for me, like I have a lot of freckles, which I always hated. And now it's like, everything is like, they want freckles. It's like, so it's just things about you that you characteristics about you or like I'm a nurse in real life. Right. And so I, but I get so many auditions for like being a nurse. It's crazy. So it's like, I didn't realize that all these things that you are, are, will like work for you. So I think when you, like, when you start, you don't have to change anything. You can just be yourself and you're going to book based on who you are. We have like some, a friend who wanted to do, who was asking me about commercials and was saying like, no, I need to lose like 20 pounds and then I'll do it. And I was like, no, you don't like, don't you don't wait. Someone's going to want you how you look now. You don't need to change. You don't need to lose weight. You don't need to do anything. Color your hair. Like who you are is you're going to buck because right now they want to represent everybody. I hope that it, that it continues and it's not as like narrow. Cause I think I think it is swinging that way, but there's also, I'm trying to think of the best way to express it, but like what you were saying, but there's also like, like people that are making decisions are still kind of narrow-minded in, in what they want. So yeah, I always say the irony of, of diversity and inclusion in the finished commercial is that oftentimes the people making decisions are a room full of Caucasian males and it feels a little... I don't know if the word's disappointing that the people who are deciding that diversity should be in the forefront are still all the same kind of types of guys. And maybe a couple of women sprinkled in, maybe there's a couple that had to fight to get into that, you know, space to make those decisions. But I do think the diversity could be entrenched a little deeper into the decision-making parts of Hollywood. Let's finish on finding an agent. You might know more about this than me. I think it's just really important to make sure that you're not getting scammed. <laughs> like you shouldn't have to pay anything, right? Sorry, I have a fly. I'm not like doing have like a fly that keeps going by my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> you shouldn't have to pay anything. Even for the casting sites, it should be free. They signed you an invitation and then they get paid when you get paid, right? Like they get a commission or an agency fee. And then you can look on, I think there's a list like the SAG franchise agents. Like if you go to the SAG website, 
There's agencies there that are reputable. I look like at their website and their Instagram and stuff too, and see like what kinds of jobs they're booking. And then it just has to be a good fit for you, you know, cause you're communicating with them all the time and you want them to see you in a positive light so that they submit you. So I think having an agent, I mean, cause that's your team too. You guys are working together. So it's so important to find the right fit. Our first agent wasn't like, they were great and they were a bigger agency, but it just wasn't a good fit for us. So we moved to someone that I felt like was a better fit. And so I think just making sure it's a reputable agency before you sign anything. I don't know. You probably know more about the finding agencies than I do and signing contracts and things like that. But I don't I don't think you're supposed to sign a contract. Uh, yeah. I never signed a contract with my the one the commercial agent I've had for the last, oh gosh, six years. Um, I want to say... I may have signed something with like earlier commercial agents. Um, I definitely signed a contract with a manager, which I feel like you must have. But people need to know, and this was said early, early episode with Katie Taylor of Taylor Casting. Uh, you should never, ever, ever, ever pay an agent to submit you or yeah. pay for like their service. That's like yeah. just, that's huge. And there are so many kid scammers out there. So just don't ever pay for anything outside of headshots or your casting network's premium account. Other than that, I love getting in by a referral and, and just like getting creative. And if you're if you're if you like you're on the outside of the industry and and you're like, how could I ever find a referral? Don't hesitate to like DM someone who's doing the thing that you want to do. People want to help people. It's a human nature. I want to help you. You can always DM the show. You can DM Raquel. For sure. Word of mouth, I think, for finding it. Like, see what other people's experiences have been and listen to that. And then you might be able to find it. Yeah. And then you can decide on your own based on the meetings that you've been able to get. And, And there's other platforms that will help you pitch yourself. Um, there's a couple of people out there who offer services like Rapunzel, Repunzel, and they'll like tell you how to like pitch yourself to get agents and, and meetings. And and then I think Breakdowns, Actors Access does like talent ser- Oh gosh. Yeah. They have like a, yeah. You can what find is that called that. again. And then they'll come. I forgot. I just looked at it yesterday because I was updating talent. profiles, but you should like any agent that we've been with, you'll submit to them. And then they usually want to do like a zoom meeting with you too. So usually you get to talk to them too at that point and see them, like make sure they're a real person (laughs) and get your questions answered at that time. So I think any agent, and I think that's pretty standard. And if you're, if you are thinking about going with an agent and they don't want to meet with you or talk to you ahead of time, that should be a red flag too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Unless they're my agent, who's very uh, specific guy and wasn't taking meetings for a while, but uh, (laughs) not, not like when I met him, but lately he's just been like, I trust you. Okay. I'll sign them. And I'm like, you don't want to do it. Zoom meeting, and I think he's just getting maybe tired of doing that. I don't know, but most people should want to meet with you guys. Please, please, please take take the meetings. Ask us more questions. Raquel, is there anything else that is on your notes that we didn't get to? I feel like this was has been so productive. I know. I feel like we covered a lot of basics. Um, no, I don't know. I think if you're gonna work with your kids, just know that there's no limit to the amount of sugar that they can consume. <laughs> On set or taping, like I have a big bag of gummy worms. <laughs> I went to Sprouts the other day and they, cause they love the Sprouts Same. gummy worms. So I use those like, well, and then they're yeah. like, oh, you like those ones? The Sprouts ones. So good. 
I don't know what brand they are, but anyway, I went and they had like a five pound bag and the lady, I was like, I'm just going to get this because I use like, when we do a self tape, then my kids are like, I get a gummy worm now. And I'm like, okay. And I'm not going to lie that that works. Okay. So they get jobs to do and then they get gummy, they get gummies in, you know, the, the post yeah. video moment. That's really amazing. You have all kinds of <laughs> tactics. You're like super mom. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> This has been so, so helpful. I'm excited to maybe one day have kids and then listen back to this and be like, what did she say? How can I potty train my kids to do better self-tapes? I don't know. This is awesome. <laughs> thank you for listening. I thank you. We thank you for listening to Slate It Till You Make It. I am your host, Catherine Donnelly. If you have any questions at all, again, don't hesitate to reach out. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with everybody, especially if you're like in the kind of kids acting world. This is just full of chock full of knowledge. That's all we have for you today. I'm going to keep slating it over here. Raquel and the kids are going to keep slating it. And Santiago is just a natural. He doesn't even have to try. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>